Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Surf Stories. My name is Kevin Miller, and with us will be John Brooks on the podcast. This morning we're recording this intro from Interstate 4 on the way to the beach to get some waves. It's a Sunday. I've got with me Tom Macaluso, who's our creative director. He handles our branding and uh, graphic design. If you see anything you like on the big screen or online, that's usually him over at Anson Stoner Creative in Winter Park, Florida. So, Today we have with us Matt Warshaw. He's the founder and creator of Encyclopedia of Surfing. He wrote the books first and then digitized them online. There's more than that. There's interviews uh, in the Above the Roar section. There's going to be a board section, book section, contest section. So you'll get everything you need from a surfing standpoint down the road eventually. But right now he needs your help. He's got a fundraiser going on. Uh, December 6th through the 16th and hopefully we catch the tail end of that and you guys can uh, put a few bucks into the kitty or sign up for a subscription that's three bucks a month you can sign up and receive the joint in your inbox and uh, it's the best surf journalism out there right now mostly history related but it's quite good all right so more to come from Matt here we go I remember meeting Matt at the New York Surf Film Festival in 2012, and we had um, kind of a chance meeting outside. I think it was having a beer, and Matt was definitely uh, kind of 
doing his thing outside in between movies, getting ready to go into one. And um, it was nice because we had um, no idea who he, you know, obviously I'm not well known in the surf world for my accounting skills yet. And Matt is uh, yeah. well known. Yeah. Matt is well known in the world of surfing for his editorial and journalistic skills. And so I think I might've recognized you, Matt, at some point and said, hello. And then we talked about we articles that, that I love. We had that table outside the, it was like, it was like just about not like, it was like 90% of other events that you go to where the fun part was the before part. I don't even think the films had started yet. So we were just at a table drinking beer and there was somebody, you were sitting with somebody else. And I can't remember who I might've been with Nathan Myers, but it was like the fun part for me that night was just uh, sitting out there talking and then, you know, having to sit down and be quiet was um, was less fun. So that was I remember that well because I don't remember the movie that we saw. But you were telling me about your plans for a surf film festival in Florida. That's exactly right. I was there to see how the New York one operated. I had no idea what this was going to look like once it started up. And I re recall that you were on the jury for the New York one. I was like, oh, I need a jury. If you know the day Matt Warshaw agrees to join the jury for the Florida Surf Film Festival, I will know that we have made it and things are good. And so I, you know, went back to Florida shortly after that conversation because that is that was one of the highlights of that trip. And having seen how they, you know, Morgan did it up there, you know, Taylor Steele was there and uh, I think Charlie was there. I mean, there Charlie were, was there. That was, was where there. I met Charlie Smith, too, that same night. No kidding. All right. Well, there you go. So, I mean, it was a good crowd. I mean, they did a really good job. And I was a bit intimidated on starting a festival in Florida. But at the same time, I knew I could do it I, as I was watching the Q&As and I was watching. Yeah. And I know what ACA had as far as minimal equipment goes. We we, we had all the minimums covered and I, I knew I could do it. So I went back, showed a movie. John came and visited me after for lunch and uh, was going to interview me about the screening and talk about, you know, future screenings and festivals and all that stuff. And th at that point, I immediately knew I needed to partner up with John because he was the man. So you guys happened. knew each other before that, right? We did. Yeah. Yeah. We had met through a, a mutual friend. Um, and I went to that movie, not even knowing that it was Kevin that was putting it on. Wait, so what I year just, was this was the year? At, this was uh, 2013? 2012, December. So you, uh -huh. after New York, you went right back and screened something just to, as a test run? Exactly. Kinda? I think I got mm -hmm. like 115, 120 people there. It was ACA? Yeah. yeah. It was like Did five you guys times, know like right away bucks. that you're, because to me, the whole thing about the, your guys' festival that, I feel like a lot of those things are sort of interchangeable, same as a surf contest can be inter sort of interchangeable, but ACA is what, to me, like when I think of Florida Surf Film Festival, it's it's the wooden boardwalks and it's the fact that we're in a, what is it, a, like a little, um, it's a not a park, but what is that? It's like a it's preserve. A, a preserve, right? And, and um, like the, the event itself, if you sort of go outside like this, it's, there's nothing else. It's so it feels like the whole thing is just almost like around a campfire, except it's also really, it's really cozy and comfortable. It's not, you know, it's, I just, 
the setting of your your guys um thing is to me the is a real like the thing that i is is really set in my mind about like the the thing i like almost love about it the most is just going to the place yeah what's interesting too is that like i i went to that first movie that kevin put on like i said not realizing that it was kevin putting it on I just saw a poster around town. He was showing, uh, he had met Taylor Steele up at the New York festival, asked him if he could show his film. And Taylor was, you know, graciously said yes. And uh, that was the film this time tomorrow uh, where they chase the swell across the Pacific and uh, end up in Alaska. And um, I just saw that somebody was showing a surf film in a movie theater. And I was so excited. And I remember getting there a little early and uh, it happened to coincide with the running of the finals of the Pipe Masters and that crazy heat between uh, Dorian and Slater in like eight foot back door. Right. And so Kevin did the right thing and delayed the start of the movie and was like, we're going to watch the rest of this heat. And were you so, guys, were you in the box or were you outdoors? We are in the black box theater mm-hmm. and um yeah, I mean, I think Kevin only made like 10 posters, put them up around town, and we had about 115, 125 people show up. And I actually it, went to write an article for a little local uh, rag. And um, so I just went with the idea of, A, I was going to write an article about the event, and also that I just was so thrilled that somebody was going to show a surf movie on a, on a movie screen. But it wasn't, a, um, it wasn't the Florida Surf Film Festival. It was just a screening of, that, of Taylor's movie. Yeah, it was the toe in the water basically right. to see like can i get people to even show up and right and, and, and then remember, more and then and then didn't new york cratered that next year right i mean that was it didn't they ran you and i the last year. one in one more they ran one more in 2013 and uh i think the fracture there between the founders taylor or tyler yeah. brewer and morgan burke had occurred just before the 2012 that, event that's right tyler wasn't actually part of it anymore and so that's right yeah, but yeah and you know, when I think of the the festival, I think of it in a series of lucky, you know, just like when you meet your, you know, spouse, like if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, and, and all of this stuff didn't happen, there would be no Florida Surf Film Festival. One of those things was actually meeting you. And I think in that conversation, I gained confidence in through the email correspondence we had, I gained some more confidence in it. So it was like going into the 2013, the very first trial that John and I did with a full fledged, I think it was a three full three night festival was to entertain people by bringing as many filmmakers that we could together. And also to get folks like the jury there, folks like you, which would have been nice, but you know what? Um, I think you were busy. No, I doing I this said, thing called the Encyclopedia of Surfing from the book to the online presence, which is kind of why we're here today. Right, but the, I think that you 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 kept um, inviting me, and it was always polite. And I remember um, instead of going, I said, "No, I'll be on the jury," and then I ended up doing both. But like, I think I said, I think I ended up not going to like three of them, and then finally went and thought, "Oh, I should have been coming to this from the beginning." Um, but yeah, well, that's kind of what I mean, we we had the series of, of fortunate events included having Joe G there in 2014, which would have been our second year. Um, he came with Strange Rumblings and Shangri-La, a, a movie that was just visually stunning. I mean, just a great surf movie, obviously, right. no surprise from Joe. And he um, 
was absolutely floored. Um, again, a confidence builder for John and me. And so we go um, off of that high of people high-fiving, like hooting in the audience, the way a surf movie screening should be. It was like right. tip top. You, I'm sorry you missed that one. That was amazing. So we went from that experience to like a week later, Joe basically giving us the Pope's blessing on a monster partnership. So right. we could fund even more travel for people like you to come visit with the fans. And I, I don't know what your interaction with fans is like. I mean, I, I can imagine that there's a lot of really good conversations that um, people who felt like I did at the New York event get to sit down with you and go, Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? I mean, tell me, I mean, do you enjoy that interaction? Is that your favorite part again about the festival? I've been like this since I was um, really young, which is um, I never want to be the center of attention. And I go to things like that. Uh, and quite often I end up not talking to people that I suppose, I, sh I don't know if I should be talking to. I Like, let me back up. So I always look forward to seeing Mimi Monroe at your thing. So like, I always make a point of talking to, to Mimi, but there's like, I feel like, I'm supposed to be talking to people and being sort of the, the representative for Encyclopedia of Surfing. And instead, I spent most of the first night this year with uh, your brother and your old friend, Eric, right? So I'm just going to find these two people who I just was so happy to talk with that had like almost like not any, not much official. It was just like, it happens to be your brother and the guy he brought in who isn't, I don't think he even surfs, right? And I Eric, Eric is a longtime surfer. Um, oh, he actually, is. But yeah, he you wouldn't guess you wouldn't guess it from you know where he lives and, we, and all that. Now. Yeah, we just it, it was just the thing, and I've done this always. I find someone who is like who's not trying to impress me or be, and we just talk for over an hour, and they were both really hammered. Which and I, you know, at that point I kind of wasn't, but I was really enjoying the just talking to those guys off in sort of a corner um, as a pair as can. I suppose I'm supposed to be like working the room and I've never been good at working a room, you know? Well, yeah. But I mean, when people do get to sit down and chat with you, it's meaningful because you're focused yeah, on I, that chat, which is nice. You're not sprinkling your head around the audience to see who's around that you could. No, but, but like the, the, the EOS version of that is I, I put the Sunday join out on Sunday and then I've pretty much at this point after a couple of years, cause the joint keeps sort of getting bigger and more involved and, and uh, it, it, it's sort of become the calling card of EOS. But then Monday, I've just got blocked off for, because the joint comes, it's just an email. It's not even graphic. It's just an email. Um, it looks like something you would get from someone you've known for a while. Then people just hit reply. And so Monday is just me doing, uh, you know, 50 or so back and forth with people who reply to the joint. So that, and that's sort of the same thing. I just want, and that's just, that's just having a bunch of conversations with people. It, it almost, you know, it's just like, I'm getting, well, not really paid, it's, but it's like, I'm working and I put, I'm working just by talking to people about all kinds of stuff because the joint is, you know, it, it, and quite often it's not about surf. Like I did a joint recently. It was about this. It had to do with this dancer who I, I don't even know how I got there, but it was about this, 1950s 60s dancer named Sid Charisse she was Fred Astaire's partner and she was um Gene Kelly's partner 
she was famous for having the like the world's most beautiful legs or like she had her legs insured for five million dollars and i'd never heard of sid cerise or seen her and i watched this clip and i go oh my god i've got a uh, I've got to put a link to this on this on the on the in the joint, and it did connect to surfing. I can't remember now how. But that's like part of the, the the fun for me with the joint is is sort of seeing how far I can go away from it and then bring it back to surf. And it doesn't need to be, you know, they don't need to, but it just needs to sort of reflect off of it. And anyway, the people on Monday, most of my conversations were about Sid Charisse, you know, and not, not in a pervy weird way. Just like, Oh, I never heard of her. And, wow. Look at that. It's incredible. And the, and the photo I had was great. So it's like, those are the conversations I love having um, on Monday. It's almost never about, um, you know, how good Barry Kanayapuni's bottom turn was. It's, it's about the weirder stuff or the, or the, the stuff that you didn't expect to see coming um, in the joint that we talk about. That's one of the things that I think is so cool about that is that I, I feel like to a large degree, a, a lot of the people that subscribe to EOS are people that um, probably have at least a fairly cursory knowledge about surfing. And so it's at least for me, it's less about, you know, wanting to discuss things like Barry Kanayapuni's bottom turn and things like like what you bring. You bring these kind of fringe elements and then you know, you, you tie him back to surfing. Um, and that's, that's, what's fascinating is to kind of see how interconnected what we do is with so many other things in the world that you wouldn't think. I, I remember um, having this, it wasn't like, I had, had this little flash at one point. I remember like in, um, when I was at Surfer in the eighties, um, I think it was right when Instinct, you guys remember Instinct? Oh, yeah. Thompson's company. They had they ran the, they had these huge ad campaigns. Um, that There's created. nothing a good day of surfing won't cure. I don't think that was was that Gotcha. That was in, no, Gotcha was always more. They were always more dickish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, instinct instinct was they would have these slogans every month in the magazine, right? And one of them was, "There's nothing a good day of surfing won't cure." I think. Well, that so that one I think is great. If I don't, I don't. I think that was an, I don't know the the one that I remember from Instinct that I remember looking at reading and going, "This is bullshit." Was um, surfing is life. The rest is details, right? Because even at twenty eight, even at twenty seven or twenty eight, when I was editor at Surfer and you know, it was, I was eating, lit, eating, drinking, sleeping it. The th I already sort of knew that if you're just focused on surfing, you're going to, you're missing out on a ton of stuff. And the editors or the, or the writers who I always really like and still do to this day are the ones who, um, who's, you can just tell they're living a fuller life because their presentation of surfing is going to put surfing in with all these other things. So surfing is, so much less interesting when you've shrunk it down, when you've put a, like a perimeter around it, right? So surfing is life, the rest is details. It's just like a, it, it's like a, a recipe for be, ending up being a boring, uh, uh, almost like retarded person. I don't mean retarded, I mean like un, you're stunted, right? Yeah. So Drew Campion, my first, who was my, my first sort of, uh, he wasn't a mentor, but he was the, my first person who I kind of read and admired and, and really thought about how does he do this? Like, what is Drew doing that makes him better than the others? And he was always, there was always, you could bring in politics or he would bring in uh, advertise, you know, something happening 
um, you know, music and, and politics and, and art and stuff. And he was surfing was always sort of going through all this, this bigger world. And, you know, part of, I, I, you know, beach grid is always an interesting thing to dive into on a daily basis. Um, and I sometimes shake my head at what those guys do, but Derek, especially, um, God, he, you know, Derek, Derek's interest go deeper and further than almost anybody I know. So I remember talking to him once and mentioning that, um, an uncle of mine had a house designed by the guy who did, um, I think it was the LAX, uh, the famous, uh, oh, restaurant, yeah. the space. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, it's like flying saucer kind of ask. Yeah. Before I even mentioned the name, uh, Derek knew who it was and said, oh, I've got a book of that guy's work right here on my desk. So like he knows, you know, he's it's architecture and it's politics and it's all this other stuff. And so Derek is constantly, um, he, he did this way when he was working in Australia surfing life, you know? So he's always, you always get the sense that when he's not surfing, even when he's working on beach grit, he's always looking around him and always involved with all this other stuff. And, and that's, and that's what I've tried to do as well. And that's, that's what I bring a little, that's kind of what I want to bring to uh, not the encyclopedia part of the encyclopedia surfing. Cause that is pretty surf, but certainly the Sunday joint and certainly a lot of the blog post is that surfing yeah. should fit into a, it's more not, not, I mean, it just makes surfing more interesting when it's bumping up against all other stuff. And I've always thought that, you know, surfing was most interesting uh, when there's friction. So like all the shit that we did, I guess some people still do like the friction in terms of like, if you want to surf a lot and you're going to have to be late to that Thanksgiving dinner, or if you've, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, how the, the effect of it on, on your relationship or your job or your school, all that kind of stuff, like the, that, it, that, that kind of commitment that ends up forcing you to make maybe uh, decisions that you later regret. I love all that stuff. That's to me, that's what's interesting about it. Cause we're, you're just out there chasing waves and that's, that's hard. And that takes some, um, and, and, and like those decisions that you make, um, that's what keeps it interesting to me. Well, there, there, you, you know, you have the introduction of the joint into this little topic, but the joint is, in my opinion, the best surf journalism going around. It's 98% history, but it's also periphery, sidelong view or look at surfing where um, you don't really get, I mean, you get that in the journal too, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's every week in my box and I know without fail, I'm going to spend five to 10 minutes reading over this, watching some videos and going through it and if anybody is happening to listen right now it's well worth the what's the cost of a membership now matt three bucks a month or 30 bucks a year yeah what was the what was the quote you sent me less than a craft beer and the buzz lasts twice as long that was your quote not my quote i don't know who said that i don't know who wrote that yeah you don't know who wrote that no no but that's a great quote you should i mean claim it i thought it was your i thought it was your guy so um (laughs) It's yeah, really the joint. It's funny. I, I, somebody, um, somebody wrote me. My wife just uh, left Amazon. She's an editor at Amazon for ten years, and she just left to become a freelance editor. It's a little bit of a revolving door because Amazon hires editors, and she used to do that. And now she's going to be the editor they hire. Anyway, someone got back in touch with me saying, um, "Oh, I just heard your wife's freelancing. Um, uh, 
I'm 34, I'm 34 years into my first novel and I think it's just about finished, which you'd be interested in looking at it. And, and uh, it was funny because I, 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 you know, I laughed many, many emojis later. Uh, I said, it's funny because with the Sunday joint, um, so at age 60, I feel like I finally kind of found my voice. Like I've written some stuff that I'm really happy with. I've written, I loved the encyclopedia when I first wrote it, which was a reference book. I really liked the history of surfing when it came out. But anytime I've written in first person, it feels like um, at some point, right up until a couple of years ago, I was trying to sound like somebody else, you know, and, and mm. having written the joint enough times and also having stepped back from surfing the way I did when we moved up here. And finally sort of making my peace with what it means to be more or less a former surfer. Um, but, you know, the joint is finally, the reason why it's working is I'm finally writing from a place that feels more like me than me trying to sound like Drew Campion or Derek Riley or somebody else. So um, yeah. I said, so I said to this guy, yeah, I'm, I'm after 40 years of uh, being a professional surf writer, I think I found my voice. And um, <laughs> I like that. That's a great, uh, realization in a way i feel similarly confident and and confident is basically the code word for finding your your final you know voice in writing it is and i don't care where um the nouns and the adjectives fall as much anymore because i know that i know the structure of a sentence enough to know that i can rhetorically do this or do that and then also just speak how I speak in writing. And that's how I feel you do it every week. And with, you know, but you do it even better than you talk in person. You know what I mean? It's like Definitely. 10 times that's 10. Why I, but that's why I hate talking in person. That's why I, even this, like I, I don't ever listen to my own. I've never listened to a podcast of my own that I've done with you or David Lee or anybody else. Cause I've, as soon as I hear myself talk, I'm editing I'm yep. editing the words, you know? And ooh, so ooh. if I, when I do it in writing and every time, by the way, I go back and read a Sunday joint because I write those pretty fast, even though I, I love them and I feel like it's some of my best work, but every time I go back and read one now, I'm going, Oh my God, I've got to edit this at some point. But now there's like hundreds of them on there. And I don't know, I, I guess I probably never will, but um, the, you know, that's, that's more, those are more representative, I think of how I want to sound and, and this is why I do, I never would do public speaking because I can sort of do this with you guys here with this microphone. I've gotten to a point, but you know, I've never gotten up and been able to say anything in public because I just, the editing function just kicks in so hard. And I, before I can even get my mouth open, I'm, my brain's got three different versions of what I want to say. The result being like, like none of them come out, you know, but. Yeah. And there's a, a go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to say, I, that's one of my favorite things about the Sunday joint, though, is the, the casualness of the writing. Um, it's more conversational. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so much easier for me um, to, to open that up and read it and know that, okay, like I can spend, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes and read this. Whereas like if I open up an issue of the journal and there's an eight page article in there, I, I don't even start reading it because I'm like, I don't have time to do that right now. And so that's one of the things right. I like about the joint is just that, that kind of casual conversational type of writing where you, uh, you can, you can digest it quickly and, and move on. Well, what first, it, I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be uh, again, like, I don't know how I just lucked into this, but you know, it, you're opening an email. So I, I always have to remember that uh, 
it has to fit into, into what we're all expecting from an email, not a, mm -hmm. and I don't mean like a promo piece. So, you know, I, like the joints are getting longer, which is a little bit worrisome. I've, some of them have been almost up to a thousand words, which is a long, long email, right? So mm -hmm. five or 700 is better, but it should be something where you open it up and right away you're reading it. And, and it's supposed to be in that voice where I'm, I'm talking to you as if I would in an email, though it's a little bit more polished. But then I think what, what sort of anchors it, what the whole point of it is it's like the, it's like the, um, it's like I'm waving you in, uh, sort of tour guiding you into the, the site itself because of all the links. So it's like, I'm, if I am talking about, if I am having a casual conversation about Barry Kanayapuni's bottom turn, then what I really, what I really hope you do is click the interview with Barry or then click the video with him and then click the long, longer profile. So once your interest is sort of hopefully captured with, 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 me doing my little dance about whatever topic it is, then you ought to have a whole bunch of other things sort of once you're, it's like, I've, I've been watching um, the Beatles documentary that get back and which is in itself is eight hours long. Right. But like, I cannot stop these days listening. I'm actually listening to podcasts about the documentary because like, Ooh. I've been a Beatles fan forever, but you know, once your interest is in, in something, hopefully you're going to just sort of go deeper and deeper. And like, you know, so again, I'm just walking around the last two weeks or ever since Thanksgiving, like listening to documentaries about the white album. And, and, and I'm just gone. I've gone all in on, you know, Beatles because of that. So the joint is supposed to grab you on a certain topic. And then hopefully you'll go in and lose a bunch of time following all the link, following the links. Well, that, that's I, what's, that's, what's great for me is that it, it introduces EOS in these short, segments whereas like sometimes when i if i just go straight to eos and open it up it's a little intimidating because if I, especially if i'm not looking right. for something specific right i'm kind of like wow and and that's fun in its own way you just kind of you click on something and then that leads you down this rabbit hole and that rabbit right. hole and you get lost but that that's what's but, nice about the join is it, it's like a little it's almost like here here's two or three things that you should check out and you can click and check them out or not but you but, can Oftentimes I click on something and then that leads me to something else that I never knew that I needed to know. But, but if, so if you feel like I found it, if you feel like you're the one who's saying if, if you're following your own interest versus opening the encyclopedia and going, ah, oh, click and like, oh, there's something, then it's it is. Open. But if you if if you're sort of in charge of your little journey through there, then it it's just more satisfying. And the other thing about the joint that I've sort of realized is it needs to work even if you don't click a single thing. Like if it's just a four paragraph thing with the images that I've put on there and you get to the end of it in five minutes or three minutes, great. You know, even if you don't click a, a certain a thing at all. Like I remember uh, I used to be, be uh, sort of obsessed or the only cartoon comic that I used to read every day was Doonesbury back when, I don't know if Doonesbury is even still a thing. <laughs> But every single morning when I used to get a newspaper delivered, you know, I would read that three panel thing, which takes me, you know, maybe seven seconds. And every morning, my morning was a little bit better just for having spent seven seconds with Doonesbury. And so if someone gets the joint and doesn't click a thing on it, but they just are happy to read the little, the little riff I've done, then, then that's oh. its own separate fine thing you know well, oftentimes that riff includes humor i find you know myself yeah, yeah. laughing at the twist but i mean the turn 
of phrases that you use compared to maybe like a David Remnick or somebody who's writing the New Yorker, which by the way, that's kind of what I feel like the joint is. It's kind of like my little New Yorker of surf in the, in my inbox every Sunday. Well, and I, can, I don't uh, have to spend 10 stop, hours reading it. We can just, I can stop my day right now because of what you've just said. If you just said, <laughs> can you say it again for me, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. I'll repeat this. <laughs> You are the David Remnick, the Anthony Lane, the Elizabeth Colbert, uh, no, no. you know, of surfing and that <laughs> the, the New little Yorker New Yorker. <laughs> Sorry. The New Yorker of surf. The New York. You are the New Yorker of surf. surf. No, I, mean, um, anyway, I love all that periphery stuff. Like you were mentioning earlier, like when it, whenever David and Charlie on their podcast start talking about a TV show they like or whatever, and you're right. talking about get back. I immersed myself in eight hours of Beatles documentary last week and couldn't bring myself away from it because did you watch the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. It was thrilling. I mean, it just shows how McCartney was the powerhouse that he still is today. And, and Lennon's, you know, comedy, the genius of the, the, I mean, it was super annoying that uh, Yoko was sitting there the whole time in my opinion, but that's how John was. That's who he was in love but with. But also to me, what was so incredible about that, like I, I we could spend the next literally three hours because I, I am so loaded for this topic. Like I, somebody, I was talking to David Lee and he was saying, well, what are you working on or what's interesting in surfing or something? And I said, nothing's ever interesting to me, full stop, except whatever my head's into and whatever my head's into is the only thing. And I'll like, that's all I want to know about. And so this week it's been all I do is the, I've been doing the fundraiser since last since last Sunday's joint. That goes for a few more days, so that's like the main thing. But the second thing I can think about is is the Beatles documentary. And so, just Kevin, like the thing about Yoko that blows my mind with this is, um, I, I've been in a you know in a band, and it, it, it is weird it, going into a studio is is my band, which is three of us, was difficult enough to navigate three people. I the for my whole life the Let It Be album and the movie especially was supposed to be the 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 image and the sound of a band just falling apart and everyone's blaming Yoko and everyone's saying what a shit show it was and in this documentary even going back to Twickenham when they're sitting there in that big cold thing it was not like that right and I. I was going there. Well, look, there's Yoko. It's really kind of annoying me that she's just sitting there in the middle of their, which should be a closed thing of the four people in the band. But if you watch long enough, you realize the other guys don't care. That's they've made, they're okay with it. They're making, they're making their music. They're all mostly getting along the fights, all the fighting shit that we that we were supposed to say was so horrible. Wasn't that horrible. It was more like little family spats. And who cares? Like if John is happy that Yoko's there and Yoko's happy to be there, Paul and John are still doing their thing. And, and Ringo's just back there mellow as any. And, and like, I was just going, wow, she didn't make any difference in that whole thing. I can't, I'm not going to hate on Yoko anymore. She was John. It was John's love of his life. And he's probably uh, 10 times better off in his life for her being there with him. Great. You know, so. Well, that, to your point, Paul basically took that, moment in that little off meeting i think they'd gone maybe off to a corner or something like that and explained right. to everybody including the audience i think he knew that this camera was going to capture something kind of timely and and justified exactly what you're saying didn't he say something like oh it's going to be so funny in 50 years when people are going to say oh well, the beatles broke up because yoko sat on an amp and he was making fun of that idea like he right. was 
calling bullshit on that idea. So in the anyway, and, and the last thing, and I, I just want to say one more thing because I just got to the end of it last night and that's a long eight hours. Like you are, I mean, it's, I love the fly on the wall stuff and I don't think it should be any sh- shorter, but man, you're, you know, if you're, if you're down for that whole, if you're in for the whole experience, it goes on. Like Jody couldn't take it. Like Jody kept trying and she kept going. It's too much stopping and starting. And it, it was, but the payoff at the end, like how much better is the rooftop show? If you sat through the seven and a half hours to get there, like, at the end of that show, when they're up there playing and they're just smiling at each other, it all—I I was almost crying. I was in tears. Me it too. was so awesome to see how happy they were to be on that roof playing with the wind in their hair, and how good they sounded. And I—I'm just still—I'm like I, I watched that last night, and I'm still literally riding, you know, riding the high from that. And I'm so glad that movie came out, and I hope it wins every award. Yeah. And um, I got anyway. goosebumps with you talking about it. All right. So. Yeah, talk about periphery of surfing. I mean, that has absolutely really nothing to do with surfing whatsoever. Uh, yeah. it, it, so I would, I, I don't know how, but eventually I'll bring that into a joint because what I remember is that when, when I started surfing in 1968 or whatever, when Campion was at the helm of Surfer, like Surfer was never far from making a Beatles reference. So there was the there was an article on the first ever Smirnoff contest, which was held in uh, Santa Cruz at Steamer Lane. And Drew Campion loved Dylan, the, Bob Dylan the most, and Beatles probably the second. But the article title for Drew's coverage of the 60, 68 or 69 Smirnoff contest was Boy, You Gotta Carry That Weight, you know, the, which was the, a song from uh, Abbey Road. And you're just, and there was, a, there was an ad somewhere in Surfer called Get Back. And like, it, you just go through those issues from 68 and 69, and there's all these Beatles references, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how mm-hmm. big the Beatles were in surf. It was just ingrained. And, and that's uh, cool. That's a cool look back. I didn't know that. And that makes, that's apropos. And yeah. well, with, with, um, you know, with the joint, with EOS having reached, you know, kind of a, a, a good point um, and having to raise money to maintain it's just, it's minimum nature of uh, you know, relevancy which is the joint which is having all the entries updated and you're probably overwhelmed with just that um you you have a budget and you know uh right. we we try to make sure that we can pay all our you know great service providers mark oj and uh who's your other man on the on the task what will the on as far as the uh, the board goes or what no no as far as oh, the oh, brad staff, barrett brad yeah, barrett. yeah please repeat his name brad barrett who speaking of like going back to that a touchstone for me is the 69, 70-ish era of Surfer Magazine, which I've just always held up as like the high, you know, like the, the, the golden era of, of surf. And I recognize there's a danger in me doing that because that happens to be when I sort of clicked into it. But I really think, I try to think objectively going back that there was a high period there. And I do mean high as a double entendre because um, those guys, I don't think spent a day in that office when they weren't pretty baked. But the magazines are so good and so creative and a lot of misfires, but also so much stuff, good stuff going on. And Brad Barrett uh, was right in the middle of that. He was the photo editor at that point. And Campion was in the editor's chair and Severson was back over in the publisher's chair with this big mustache working on Pacific Vibrations. And 
and Brad's now retired, but I sort of dragged him out of retirement to work on EOS and he's just a treasure, you know, he, he and Marco J like I, um, in, in coming up on 40 years of working in surf media, the fact that I'm now with these two people who I, you know, uh, it is so hard to find people that you really want to work with daily on, on, as, as you know, professionally and also all the banter that goes on and the email and the texting and everything. And those two guys, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. And for every, every sort of setback I've had with EOS, um, there's no way in the final accounting that I haven't just been incredibly lucky to land with Marco J and Brad Barrett. Just awesome. Good to hear. And, yeah. and- but both are part-time. So when I'm sitting here raising funds, like I am now for EOS, I mean, I'm Brad makes 500 bucks a month, you know, he's just a part-time guy working and he puts in so many hours and should be getting a lot more. And then Marco J um, is also part-time. And, you know, if, if, it's a hard thing to raise funds for sort of, is to, you know, to pay people. Um, it's, but that's, you know, that's sort of what I'm doing is I got to buy more hours of Brad's time. And I definitely got to buy more hours of, of, of Mark's time. Um, so Mark, I got to, you know, if I could have him, if I could have Mark full time, um, that would be, that would be amazing. I would love to have him. Real quick. Do we have anything in mind for the, next 12 months for EOS that you'd like to talk about real quick for, for users and fans. Well, again, the other thing is not, not especially sexy, but it's the main thing coming up next year is we're going to rebuild the site, the, the, the admin hundred percent. So it's, EOS has been on a platform called WordPress and we're sort of outgrowing WordPress. And so we're taking it off WordPress and building it up from the bottom up and it's going to be a fucking nightmare, but it's going to make on the other end of that process, it's going to work better. It's going to, be a way better site and that's what's up for next year and just if if there is a quick uh way to explain like in in your fundraising campaign that you're doing right now you talk about taking the site headless is that's, there a, that's what i'm that's what i'm talking about that's what you're talking about okay it, it, i don't quite understand what headless means but it just means that the all of the content is uh, lives on a place where you can direct it sort of however you want as opposed to how uh uh um, wordpress w- allows you to direct it Gotcha. So this is the, you know, when you guys, if you guys ever do one of these with Marco J, he could say it, he could say it in a way that not only would be uh, make sense, but it's in a British accent. So it sounds really, um, <laughs> you guys met Mark. He's the, I mean, he's just, Oh yeah. He's what a best. handsome bloke. What a good guy. He's a super good guy. He's probably the one person of, of all the people we know that's as hungover as you are right now. Um, Kevin, cause he does, <laughs> he, he, he goes hard on his Fridays over there. Um, I just remember when Ruddy was doing profile uh photographs at the at, i think it was 2019 festival um you you were like uh in there or something and i think ruddy was like who's this guy tell him to take off his shirt or whatever somebody wanted to get a shot of mark without his shirt on because oh, he's, he's so like handsome? this adonis he like a, he handsome like a guy dancer yeah he's definitely the most handsome eos employee or uh, contractor that's uh that's 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 not a very high bar <laughs> um, I've got a photo that, you know, I've only met Mark in, in person twice. I've been working with him for five years and I, I, we went to Costa Rica to sort of have a, a week long hangout. I just felt like a, almost like a team building sort of thing. And then also at your, at the festival. And 
I just learned from the first time in Costa Rica, I, I don't take pictures next to him. It's like, you just don't want to do that. You know, <laughs> that's kind of, that's another reason why I hired Brad because Brad's in his early seventies. So like, you know, I look great next to Brad Barrett. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So EOS side uh, and um, the join aside, uh, what's, uh, what's your move now that uh, Jody's free geographically from an office, are you moving to New Smyrna beach? You know, the first time I came out there, which is the that time we got the most fun surf. Do you guys remember that? I, I don't know. You guys, yeah. it's all a long blur for you, but we went out there and that might've been when I bumped into the manatee. I, I was out yep. there before the first time I went out to, I'm going, I'm going to new Smyrna, Jody. And she goes, well, she, you know, where's that? And I said, well, I'm not sure exactly. It's near Orlando, but um, if you grew up on the West coast, like we did uh, our sense of uh, geography of Florida is, is pretty uh, rudimentary. So I wasn't sure, you know, but I said, well, here's what I know about New Smyrna is that apart from them going to this great floor, this film festival is that uh, it's really sharky. And like, I think it's the most shark attacks in the world, in the world, right? Yep. More shark attacks than anywhere else in the world. So uh, she goes, okay, well, be, you know, be careful. And I'm out there and the surf when we were out there was, it was chest high. It was really clear and clean and light offshore, super clear water. And I had forgotten all about sharks and I was just floating between waves, like floating on my board with my arms across the deck and my legs, legs down. And I had made, made friends with some local guy. And I was talking to him about whatever, probably the, the film festival and my two legs, my knees just bumped into something that felt like a, a huge, like a, like a rolled up uh, piece of carpet, like just a giant rolled up thing that was just solid. And I screamed I, well, <laughs> and, and I jumped up on my board and I looked down and the guy was, you know, he, he'd already probably seen it was, he was laughing as that's just a manatee. And it would, but it was a, it was big. It was like six feet long and it didn't move. It just stayed there. And I couldn't get comfortable. Once I knew it was a manatee, my brain was going, they're like, they're like the cows of the sea, right? They're super, yeah, they don't, so docile. They, they're so docile. Uh, but nonetheless, there was this, you know, six foot shape underneath my board and I could not, like, like I couldn't, I could tell my head, it's not going to, it's not going to kill you and make your son an orphan, but I couldn't get used <laughs> to it. And the adrenaline sort of kept pumping. And finally, I just sort of had to paddle away anyway, but I loved, I, I came home and I go, I really enjoyed it. I had so much fun. It's just the kind of surf I want to ride for the rest of my life. Um, and maybe we should think about moving there at some point and retiring there, like, you know, retiring to Florida. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't even imagine leaving, leaving Seattle. So no, no, we're staying here. Jody, uh, Jody's down in the basement, you know, freelancing or her, getting her new career started and Teddy's gaming in the other room. And I don't do anything. My, my life is pretty, you know, going to Florida last month for the festival was the first time I've been out of the house apart from going to LA and well, since before COVID probably. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, EOSing and and um, walking around, getting my steps and being a dad and, and watching Beatles documentaries. Right. And well, you have a second home here in Florida, as you know, bring the family. Uh, we'll take good care of you. Between John's place and my place, we got, uh, you know, or, know. you know, stick I... yourself in that condo over there for a week with the, with uh, Teddy and get him on a longboard in warm water for crying out loud. I mean, that would Did, be great. Before we go, did I ever tell you... Uh, Teddy, old Teddy, I don't think Teddy's going to be a surfer, but did I tell you the story about when I was trying to get my godson, Jacob, to be a surfer? Um, he was Teddy's age right now. This is when I lived in San Francisco. 
and Jacob was 11 and he goes, I really want to surf. And I said, okay, well, we're going to go down and visit my friend Wingnut in Santa Cruz. Cause Wingnut, well, she's a, you know, and so Jacob, like we, Wingnut got him a, a wetsuit from O'Neill and puts it on and we checked the surf and Wingnut brought down a, he was a, sort of a slightly extra big long board. And I, did, I wasn't sure what the routine was going to be. And Wingnut puts Jacob on the nose of his board, paddles him out. I'm surfing a, a short board of privates. Do you guys know? You guys, I don't know if you get privates. Is sort of you go like mm-hmm. pleasure point. There's a whole bunch of points all the way down to Capitola. And the waves sort of keep getting smaller as you go down into this bay, but cleaner. And so pleasure point or privates is the one right before the pier, which is the inside of the bay. So these waves were about chest high, maybe almost head high just perfect little Malibu, soft Malibu peelers. And I'm riding a few on the inside. And next thing I know, Wingnut's paddled out the back. He owns that place. And he's paddled into the set wave, the set wave and, and he just hoiks up my godson, puts him like in the middle of the board and rides for about 300 yards, almost down to Capitola, climbing, dropping, holding Jacob by the back of the wetsuit. Mm-hmm. So my godson's first wave was a point wave that he rode for 300 yards, climbing and dropping and cutting back and everything. And he never surfed after that. He ruined it because that, that's what he thought but, surfing was, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I go, Jacob, so, you know, I didn't get a wave that long until I've been surfing about like four years, you know, or five years or something. And, and uh, but he, I think, so then when I took him surfing later on to like learn how to surf, he didn't, he didn't want to know about riding white water on his own and trying to stand up which is hard you know so uh, yeah i don't know how i got oh. off on that story but you know no teddy's not going to be a surfer that's fine i don't want to relive my life as, as a surfer through teddy i want to you know relive yeah. his life or want to be part of his life i know i have three older kids and none of them could care a lot or could care about surfing does that bother you uh no it doesn't bother me they, what's funny is they could paddle out with your average um group of surfers and catch a few longboard waves and actually go down the line without any trouble Cameron especially who you know with um all of those good times crystallized in my like memory of you know she, she even made a couple of GoPro videos like father daughter kind of stuff and right. uh, you're like well, how how is it that you didn't get bit by that bug because it is so much fun I, I mean I just don't understand how you wouldn't want to do it for the rest of your life you know but that is clearly far from her mind. And, you know, it doesn't bother me because no. she's got her it's, own stuff. It's funny. If you grow up with surfers who have all been, you know, you, you self-select for the people you hang out with, right? So all the people that I knew are surfers. But if you actually think about how many people surf versus how many people actually do get bit by the bug, it's a tiny number. You know, yeah. like thousands of people surf for every one or two that really gets it the way you know we did i i didn't i don't think i knew i don't think i really understood that until pretty recently that some people like surfing and they went out they had a good time and great the way i can take take or leave skiing or something you know yeah i consider myself an unlikely afflicted individual in the sense that you know both my parents were from south dakota we moved to florida um my dad's an avid golfer and uh obviously that was that was something he passed on to me as well, but right. you know, they had no clue what was involved with this sport. And for some reason after, you know, 
or just, I don't know what it was. It was incredible. So everybody's own personal sort of experience gets you there. But I, you know, I've met people from Chicago or middle America that have been, you know, oddly bitten, but they're such, they're unlikely. There's a lot of likely people that got bit and you can understand it, but the unlikely ones are the ones that are that's interesting. Right. Yeah. That's always amazing to me. Like, you know, Tom Blake came out from Wisconsin to serve. Right. I don't know what to say. Can you, can you, when we, when you put this on the, you're going to put this on YouTube. We do. We don't do the video. We only do the Good, audio okay. and it's like Apple podcasts and, you know, Spotify. Cause I'm that. really tired of looking at your right ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my leg hocked up. Um, Playgirl magazine. Does that still exist? I think I have a future. There's some really great stuff about Playgirl magazine on EOS. It's my last pitch before we bail out. But if you, if anyone hears this, types in uh, Playgirl, an encyclopedia of surfing, there are some really funny stories about this battle between Angie Reno and Mike Purpose, who were featured in Playgirl. I think you know two of the first three issues of Playgirl had surfers in it, and it turned out that both of those guys ended up paddling out nude at Velzyland one day to. <laughs> to you know, to surf for their, for their photo, for their photo spreads. Um, and I think I might've even, um, I may have even posted photos, um, unredacted even. Uh, so have a look at that folks. Nice. <laughs> what nice. else, how, how else can I get you guys to sign up for EOS, but to say, go look at Mike purpose nude. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Comedy and, uh, you know, and frontal nudity, frontal yeah. nudity, frontal, yeah. preferably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot, Matt. <laughs> this has been nice. And, uh, you know, we'll be touching base with you early in the year about movies coming around the corner. We've got yeah. uh, Ben Gravy's world premiere. On well, I'm coming February out there 5th. in May, I think, with the uh, I am going to bring Teddy. So, uh, I'll OK, see you June. Guys then. Just remember. June. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll be there in May, but uh, if you guys are I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I'll there in June. All right. Thanks, right June. on. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Good Bye. To see you. Take care, bud. Well, there you have it. Matt Warshaw is doing well out in Seattle. Doesn't surf that much, but he does own a wetsuit. So that's a step in the right direction, getting back in the water. I try to get him in the water every time he comes to Florida, and he always, well, he surfs great. Um, guy knows what he's doing out there. So uh, anyway, go to the website, dump some money into the budget for the work that he is doing. Um, next festival date is February 5th. We have Ben Gravy attending with his new, brand new documentary, world premiere of For the Dream, along with another film called Sweet Adventure by Peter Hamblin that stars Albie Lair, Matt Miola, and I believe his, Albie's girlfriend Nora's in it, and you know, just a, a great little travel surf trip movie down to El Salvador. So... That's coming February 5th. We've got more on Father's Day of next year, so mark your calendar. If you have any questions for John or myself, feel free to send us an email, info at floridasurffilmfestival.com. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.